Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel New England Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from our lead pastor, Pastor Eric Capelli. This morning, I'm going to continue on for this year with a sermon series called New. This sermon series will also be applied to our Vision Sunday, which is happening on the last Sunday of this month. You do not need to register this year because it's Vision Sunday is going to happen real time. So if you are showing up to church, you are part of Vision Sunday. Now, there are going to be surprise elements and things that will happen during that service. So we just strongly encourage that you are there for a great Sunday as we launch Vision for 2024. But today, um, I want to continue on. And last week, we had a snowstorm. Thank God for the power of technology. I was able to join you guys uh, via Facebook and join you on YouTube and join you on our website so that you could hear the sermon that I did not want to miss about the name of the Lamb. But today, I want to talk about something else from the book of Revelation that is called the book of life. And I want us to understand these things from a biblical perspective. And as I said last week in the sermon, the reason why these subjects are important to me is anytime cataclysmic world events start happening, anytime the Middle East starts brewing, anytime America goes through inflation, anytime sicknesses start breaking out, all throughout human history or the calendar changes to a new millennium, Christians all over the place are screaming demons. Yes? And if you look back at church history, Christians were screaming demons also way back when. And I think that we begin to miss the point. I think that we miss the point of the book of Revelations. We call it the end times. The end of time happens, but in all actuality, eternity continues on. And I need us to understand that the book of Revelation is a book of hope. The book of Revelation shows us that we as believers hold a position that is different than those that do not believe. And so we worry about things, like I said last week, oh, the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast. And I remember being a child, and when our local grocer, it used to be called Big Ray's Farmer's Market. That was actually when things were organic. Yes? I see organic on everything, by the way. Recently in my house, I saw a pack of organic um, gummy bears. <laughs> After service, can you explain to me organic gummy bears? I really, I, I know you probably can. After church, <laughs> sweetheart, you can explain to me organic gummy bears, because that hand was raised. She was like, please let me tell you, because that's the only time I get candy. And I remember that little price codes would be on things like uh, those labels, you know, those little smaller labels, like $9.99. And we went from that to the UPC codes. And man, the Baptist church I grew up in, they were screaming demons with the UPS code, UPC code on things. The mark of the beast is on this thing. And they would play back every record backwards so that they could find worship Satan. I mean, it was everywhere on everything. And I felt like, People, we are so demon devil focused. 
And yes, we should understand that the enemy is at work. We should know the times ahead of us. We should know that the Antichrist wants to rise up with the one world system. Yes, we should know that. But we should also understand the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. We should understand the one, Jesus, who rules and reigns as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And more than worrying about the mark of the beast, we need to realize that Jesus is those that know me, my name and the name of my Father will be written on their forehead. I am marked and sealed for Jesus for all of eternity. Come on. And that is my godly confidence. That makes me stand in the midst of everything and know, I know my Redeemer lives. I know my King is coming back for me. I am confident in Jesus. Growing up in youth group, oh, what a bunch of lame ducks some of the people were. We'd have a party or something with the youth group, and we'd walk in the house, and someone's parents would be gone because they went to the store. They went to take a shower, and all of a sudden, the kids would be freaking out. The rapture happened, and I'd be standing there, cool, calm, and collected, and they'd say, you're not worried? I'd say, no. They'd say, why? I said, because I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. And we need to reimagine what the purpose of this is. As world things begin to erupt, we need to comprehend our identity. We need to be rooted in what the scripture says, who we are, as the end of the ages and the beginning of eternity comes upon us. The book of Revelation reveals to us then a special book in God's library called the book of life. Names of those who believe and overcome till the end are found in the book of life. And so I ask you this morning a rhetorical question. And the question is this. Are you saved by the blood of Jesus? Come on. Are you saved by the blood of Jesus? Is it your heart's desire by the power of the Holy Spirit that you overcome till the end? Guess what? Your name is in the book of life. And you can rejoice. And this morning as Talma was speaking to the altar team, she quoted Jesus. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And the people were all happy because the disciples had gone out. And they saw demons flying out of people. And they come back to Jesus and they're like, happy, happy, happy. Demons are going out in every direction. And they're all proud. Demons were cast out. And Jesus gets a little arrogant there because he did not just see demons cast out. He saw Satan cast out. And he says, do not rejoice because demons submit. He says, rejoice for your names are written in the book. Rejoice for your names are written in the book. We need to get that, that, that kind of sensationalism that we sometimes like. The sensationalism of end time teaching. The sensationalism of the devil. For some reason that attracts human nature. We always edge as human beings toward disaster. 
But God wants us to be healthy in our mindsets and understanding and realize we have a joy about us as believers. And the joy is I am sealed with the name of the Lamb and the Father. I know my destiny because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I have nothing and no one to fear because Jesus has paid it all for me. All. If you have your Bible, let's look in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. It says the following. I saw a great white throne and one seated on it. Earth and heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. Verse 12. I also saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by what was written in the books. Then the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and everyone was judged according to their works. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a teaching that you do not hear in the church that much anymore. I am happy that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I was destined not only for the fires of hell, I was destined not only for a horrible death, but because of Jesus, I am spared from the wrath of God. Because of what Jesus did, not only will my body live forevermore, but on the day that Jesus appears, if I die before his coming, my body will be resurrected and glorified to be with him forever. See, I don't have to worry about guilt in life. I don't have to worry about fear and death because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It is Jesus and only Jesus that commands my destiny for all of eternity. See, my destiny has been signed, sealed, and delivered by the blood of Jesus. And I am grateful this day for that. When we look into the Old Testament, Daniel also saw the very end of the age. And in Daniel 12.1, Daniel also refers to this book of life. He says, at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And he's talking to the Israelites, and he's talking of Michael, the archangel. And he says, there shall be a time of trouble such as never been seen since a nation, since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people will be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Ladies and gentlemen, I want us to be aware of something. You personally may be haphazard in your planning. Come on. You may be forgetful. You might not have contingency plans, but the God who in his wisdom created all things has prepared a way. He has prepared a way of salvation. He has prepared a way of escape. And we as Westerners look at God as if he's the most horrible being sometimes. How can there be a hell? 
How can there be a place? How can there be a lake of burning fire? Because in our own estimation, no matter how good or bad people are, no one deserves that. Hello. Oh, I forgot. When we are crying out for God to be just, when we see injustices happening in the world and we cry out, God, where are you? God, where were you when this happened in my life? He is going to show on that day where he was. And my prayer is this, that those who believe would realize that he has sealed your destiny. Yes, we deserved punishment. Yes, we deserved all of this. But as I said, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it again, Jesus paid it all. My name is secure. My name is written. And I want us to understand that God has been unfolding his plan since before the creation of the world. And when he did that, he had you in mind. If you're watching online, look at me. Look me in the eyeball. One of them. This one. He had a plan for you. He had a plan for you in the book of life. And what the scripture shows us about the book of life reveal this. See, the book of life shows us that each and every one of us are part of God's proactive plan. We are not haphazard. We are not an afterthought. We are not a blip on an astronomical screen. We are intentionally made and designed to be the very object of the love and affection and blessing and mercies of God for all of eternity. And the psalmist cried this out in Psalm 139, verse 16. He says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Do you know there was a moment in time where you were a zero? That numerical strangeness? That means lack of existence. There was nothing there. Mommy and daddy or teenage lovers, maybe they did not think of you. Maybe you were the consequence of a bad decision. Maybe you were the longing will of people that waited a very long time. But no matter what happened in that moment that the breath of life was breathed into you at conception, your name was written in the book of life. God is not looking at us constantly, shoving us to the outskirts of life, society, in his kingdom. It has always been part of God's plan that every person born unto a woman would be written in the book of life. And we start there. We start in the book of life. We start with intentionality. We start with purpose. Maybe not from our parents, maybe not from adoptive parents or guardians, but we start with a God who has purpose and intentionality. And we begin to live our life, and we are somehow convinced along the way that that no longer is important, that that's not relevant, that that's not true. Everyone and everything that says everyone is loved and included does their absolute best to make you feel unloved and excluded, unseen, unheard, and unwanted. And we live in a society 
that does no, not value human life. It doesn't value human life at conception. It doesn't value human life at the point of death. And oh, have we fallen. Oh, have we fallen from a biblical idea of a God who has intentionality and purpose, who allows our name every single, every single, every single fertilized egg. His name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It has purpose. It has meaning to God. And he breathes his life upon it. It is not up to us to determine the value of that life or not. And thank God that God sees it all. Thank God that one day when we go to heaven, there are going to be some beautiful, beautiful beings there. All these babies. That's my only hope. When I think of the philosophy of Western society, and I'm ashamed of it. You know, one woman, she spoke to the United Nations at one point. I don't know specifically what country she's from in sub-Saharan Africa. But she said the following, she said, I am sick of you Westerners trying to feed us words that do not fit into our language. She said, we do not have a word for abor abortion. She said, we have a word, it's called you murder your baby. That's how we literally translate it, you murder your baby. That is how we translate it in our language. Do not feed us other languages and other terminologies to fit into your Western understanding. Ladies and gentlemen, God's understanding, the biblical understanding, is not only that all life has meaning. Look me in the eyeball now, all of you. Your life has meaning. Your life has meaning. And when we look at the end times, don't think that God is just passing you by, that you are an afterthought in his economy, that you are an afterthought in his family. He had intentionality for you before the world began. He has written your name. And that allows us to say the lovely words of the song, and I mean, we would sing it, here I am, baby. Signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours. But I have my own lyrics. Here I am, Jesus. Signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours. Come on. And that has to be the mindset that we approach this with. That we are signed, sealed, and delivered because we belong to Jesus. No matter what happens, come hell or high water, I belong to Christ. Even if all the powers of hell are released against me. Even if the Antichrist is standing right in front of me. Even if the false prophet and Satan himself stand in front of me. I am signed, sealed, and delivered by the precious blood of Christ. Please be careful. Oftentimes the view of God in the book of Revelation is a God who dangles humanity over hellfire. But as I just said, that is not the case. Before your parents knew of your existence, he knew you. He knew his plans for you. And your name was written in his book of life. However, that leads me to the next concerning the Lamb's book of life. When God punishes, he is just. Just like God has a proactive plan, God is also just when he punishes. Let's look at Exodus 32, verse 32 through 33. 
The people of Israel were steeped in rebellion and God was about to wipe them out. And Moses cries out the following to God. He says, yet now if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. And so what the scripture shows us is a willful attitude that we start off being written in the Lamb's book of life, but our own decisions, our actions, and our rebellion against the God who not only loved us and created us, but also died to save us and give us life everlasting, we have the ability through our own actions to blot our names out of that book. And I think that that is so unfortunate. It's like having a family register, a family tree, And every time a new baby comes in or someone comes in the family, you begin to jot the name down. My wife has an uncle in Holland. He's absolutely brilliant. He waited all of his life for this really important job. He is the head of seeds, like plant seeds and flower seeds, at a very important place in Holland. He waited till after retirement to get this job. I'm serious. And he does very detailed family history. And then one day we were at a family party and he comes up to me and he comes up to my sister-in-law and he begins asking us questions. What is your family name? What is your mother's name? Your father's name? Your grandparents' name? Your great-grandparents? And I'm thinking, what is this guy up to? And my sister-in-law, who is very Dutch, she's kind of doesn't get the memo. Like, I begin to get the memo because I realize he does a lot of family history stuff. So he's just adding us to the family tree. And she looks at him and she goes, I'm sorry, why do you need all this information? She felt like she was being interrogated at a police office. But his objective was adding those people to the family tree. He wanted to complete a complete picture. And picture looking back through the records of history and people's names are blotted out of the family register. That is not nice. That is not what we're aiming for. And God's desire is that no one's name be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life, but we choose as human beings. See, he gave us something. He gave us free will. And a lot of us can grapple with that. Why did he do it? Why didn't God just make us love him? Because he didn't create robots. He wanted willful, sacrificial love. Picture saying that to someone, a complete stranger. Love me. Love me now. Love me. It's like Meredith Grey on Grey's Anatomy. Pick me, choose me. The most pathetic moment in TV history. God did not make us pathetic. He chose the role of pathetic. He chose the role of crying out like a father. He chose the role in sending his son Jesus to cry out that all are welcome, that all can come, that all can be saved, that all who are found worthy of him, that their names remain written. But as a willful act of our own disobedience, our names become blotted out. And we can say as Westerners, that's not fair. (laughs) Or we can say it as some younger Westerners, that's not fair. That's not fair? Question mark? God's love and plan 
are too pure and holy to be forced upon any aspect or person within the realm of his creation. His desire is that our names stay written in the Lamb's book of life. But as I've said, our own actions and attitudes can cause our name to be blotted out of his book. Let that never be our desire. Now I'll leave you hopeful this morning. We started good. We got a little bump in the road. I put the bump there on purpose. The last one is, our names being written in the Lamb's book of life are part of God's salvific promise. Paul, when he wrote in the New Testament, he was fun with the Greek language. He, you know, for those that take language at school or have had it, you know, you have your past participle, your present past participle, and you have all those lovely things that you don't learn about in English, you only learn about them with foreign languages, and you're thinking, okay, what is the split infinitive, what is the infinitive form, and you learn all those crazy things. And so Paul, as he's writing in Greek, he takes this word salvation, and he understands salvation in its most dynamic sense, and Paul's understanding of salvation is this, you were saved at the moment that Christ died for you on the cross. You are saved because you have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus as your Savior. But there's a futuristic tense to it. You will be saved because your king is coming, and he's coming soon. And what is he saving you from? He is saving you from the wrath of God. Wait, 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 wait. I thought Jesus was coming to save me from the devil. No, no, no. He's coming to save you from his own wrath. Because God is just. He is holy. He cannot allow sin to be unpunished. And so in God's economic understanding of things, a way needed to be made. And therefore, he gave his one and only son as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. It became the Lamb's book of life because the blood of the one and only spotless Lamb needed to be slain from the foundation of the world. What does that mean? That when God created all of this, when God created you, when the Trinity was gathered, and they've always been gathered, Father, Son, and Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, perfect in everything. Before everything was created, they knew what would happen. And Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, willfully volunteered in that moment and said, oh, Pick me to save them. Send me to save them. I will offer myself. I will clothe myself in frail humanity. And I will give my life to save them. People, this speaks of a God that loves, loves, loves. And offers every opportunity that all should be saved. Revelation 3.5 says the following. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not, N-O-T, I will not, 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 blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and his angels. You know what Jesus says elsewhere in the scripture? If you're ashamed of me in front of men, I'm going to be ashamed of you. He's not playing. He says, but if you acknowledge me, 
if you acknowledge me in things like making a choice to follow me, if you acknowledge me in being baptized in water, if you acknowledge me in how you testify about me, if you acknowledge me in being filled with my Holy Spirit, you have been given the power to overcome. You will be clean, you will be spotless, you will be dressed in white, and your name, you will never, ever, 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 forever have to worry about your name being blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. And Jesus will boldly proclaim you in the presence of his Father and his angels. Talk about love. That is the moment where Jesus can get all the glory for himself. Oh, I saved that one. Look what I did for that one. But Jesus doesn't make that moment of revelation about himself. Jesus makes that moment of revelation about you. He says, they chose me. They stood for me. They were able to overcome to the very end. And because of that, Father, this one, this one belongs to me. And that one belongs to me. Jose belongs to me. Rhina belongs to me. Lawrence belongs to me. John belongs to me. You belong to me. And that is the joy of Jesus for all of eternity. That all that his spotless blood has saved will joy and enjoy heaven with him for all of eternity. You are part of a promise that is way bigger than you. You are part of a promise that extends itself to the four corners and the deepest recesses of this world. And so therefore, our attitude as believers should not be one of fear and trepidation, but rather an attitude of surety and confidence that one's name is written in the Lamb's book of life. As a believer, every time you doubt, every time you struggle, it's not that his love is not there for you. It is. His love is there for you. But he wants you to have a surety. He wants you to have a godly confidence that salvation does not come about because of your good works. It comes about because of your utter dependence on what Jesus has already done for you. We sing that song. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. As I sang to you earlier, be confident that you belong to Jesus. Signed, sealed, delivered. You're his. And lastly, as I close this morning, the book of Philippians shows us something really beautiful. In chapter 4, verse 3, as Paul is writing to a church that's living under great tension and pressure, he writes to them about humility and service to one another. So what does your name being written in the Lamb's Book of Life have to do with right now? Paul helps us there. He says the following. He says, and I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Paul did not have a futuristic concept of 
Well, when I get to heaven, then I know my name is written. Paul operated from a godly confidence that not only was his name written, but everyone he associated with that was part of the family of God, their names were written too. And this gave them surety. It gave them confidence. It gave them the ability to support and love one another beyond measure, beyond border, beyond gender, beyond age, beyond all of the social constructs of society. Because if you realize that not only has your name been written, but the name of every person next to you, then you realize the value that Jesus sees in each and every one of us. And if there is something that defines Bethel, New England, if there is something that has driven us from our past and drives us into our future, is that we are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church. May we always be that to the glory of God. May this house always be filled with all kinds of people from everywhere. May they feel the love and the power and the mercy of Jesus. But that's not just for the outsider. Look around you today. Look, take a moment, look around. Look at these faces, look at these people. My son said it to us just recently. He said, I think it's kind of unique. He said, I don't mean this in a bad way. But when we live our daily life, like we're just in our schools and we're kind of with people that think like us and act like us and talk like us. And then when we go to church, I'm exposed to all kinds of other people that don't think or act like us, but yet we love them. We love them. And that is the beauty of church. That is the beauty of brothers and sisters in Christ, that you get along with people that you never would have gotten along with that you become friends with people you would have never become friends with. And that's not saying anything bad about them. It shows the badness of the life that we grew up in that alienates and segregates each and every one of us. Tomorrow, as a nation, we celebrate yet again Martin Luther King Day. And for the countless number of Americans that stood for racial equality in our country, However, before Martin Luther King was chiming these words, which were very important for American society, he took his inspiration from Christ himself that said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, for all nations, for all people. Let's bow our heads this morning. Jesus, we come before you at the end of this service and we thank you. We thank you for those whose names have been found written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and we thank you for the confidence that we can have. If there be someone watching online or here today, and you do not have that confidence, you do not have that confidence that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and maybe your own deeds and actions have brought you to the place that you think, I have been blotted out. God does not want you going home today feeling like your name has been blotted out of his book. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all for you. If you want to leave with that confidence today of saying, I want my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life while every eye is closed and head is bowed, lift your hand this morning and say, Pastor, I want to leave today knowing my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I see those hands. If you're watching online, send us a private message and let us know. I want my name to be written lamb's book of life lord i pray for everyone that is lifting their hand because they want the surety and confidence of knowing 
no matter what, that their name is written, that they are signed, sealed, and delivered for you. I pray that you would give them that godly confidence, no matter what, that their name is written, that their name is written just like a legal document that is binding. Their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus, we thank you that this ability you give to all that overcome. This morning, I'd like us to collectively stand together as one congregation. And as you stand, as I said already, look around you. You're not just an individual. You are part of God's great family. We represent all different age groups, all different socioeconomic backgrounds. We represent the two different genders, men and women, yes, two scientifically. We represent cultures and people from all over this world. But God has brought us together as one great family under the name of his son, Jesus. And we can look at one another this morning, and I can look at my buddy Stephanie here, and know, Stephanie, I'm grateful for you, and your name is written in the book. Sandra, I'm grateful for you, and your name is written in the book. And Chris, I'm grateful for you because your name is written in the book. And Jonathan, your name is written in the book. And Lori, your name is written in the book. And Caleb, your name is written in the book. Oh my goodness, it's like one big birthday party. Everyone's name is written in the book. And we can rejoice. And we can rejoice. And we can rejoice. We can rejoice. Even if Jesus comes soon, we can rejoice because we know that we are founded upon a promise. We are signed, sealed, and delivered. No matter what the devil and all of its demons try to bring our way, no matter what kingdoms rise and fall, my name is written. Our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. May you overcome and be strengthened until the end worship team is going to lead us with one last song of worship. I pray that you go with God this morning. Last week, because of the inclement weather, unfortunately, Pastor Josh did not get to have the life group fair. If you have not signed up for one, you still have the opportunity to do so. So please see him in the foyer. Life groups are a great way to become connected to the family here at Bethel, New England. God bless you this morning. Worship team, why don't you take it away with one last song, and let's worship as we leave this place today. Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel New England Message of the Week. Make sure you share this message with a friend or family member to encourage them today. Head to BethelNE.com to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel New England.